Welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Kasman. With me this week is Joe Lufton. Hey, Joe. Hey, Bruce. How's it going? I'm just waiting for the Bank of Chile to come in. But as we wait for that big event, let's the see. The first cut can... of the year, right? The first big cut. It's, the, first a, it's big cut. the easing cycle that's going to start now everywhere. Exactly. But we have unfortunately still have to wait a couple of hours for that. So uh, as we do, let's go through what has been a fairly uh, eventful week with uh, a fair amount of data, uh, a fair amount of central bank action, and a fair amount of, you know, kind of uh, uh, assessing what this means in terms of the forward outlook. Uh, let's start on the on the growth side. Um, you know, last week uh, in the data watch and in this conversation, we talked about a bit this conflict between our top down view and the bottom of forecast. And we kind of felt that tension wasn't going to last that long. Um, how long, how much longer do you think it's going to last? <laughs> it didn't last a week. <laughs> well, we'll see. Here yeah. we go. Let's, let's go. That's true. Let's, I mean, the forecasts have not been revised, but there's no doubt it's been a, um, a pretty good week from the, from a constructive growth side. It's been a pretty good week, even from an inflation side, which is starting yeah. to maybe raise some risks on, on the gold. Let's focus on growth for a minute. We got, we got right. plenty to talk about inflation, but let's first go through the yeah. growth stuff. So it actually, it's kind of funny. I was forgetting that the week started off on a, on a soft note, right? So, I mean, the PMI, well, I don't know. I shouldn't say that the PMIs were mixed, right? So, I mean, you, there was a constructive view there in the sense that our flash DM PMIs, these are the flash readings for like the US, Euro, or Japan, uh, they actually manufacturing picked up and that's what we expected and services came down. And so we're getting a little bit of that rotation that we expect to be happening. And we think we'll see that uh, come out more forcefully over the coming months. So that in a sense was fine. I think one of the sticking points and maybe the thing that still worries us is the European flash PMI actually moved down. The, 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 For good, sure. the good news on the flash DM was that the US moved up a lot that carried the day. So the week started kind of on that mix, but I guess constructive no. I think the IP reports that are coming out of Asia are maybe sending a signal that the tech sector seems to have bottomed and is starting to, to turn up a, a, a little bit. And that that's positive there, reinforcing the manufacturing lift we think is coming. Uh, but the, the big, I think, real positive news came out of the U.S. in the last couple of days where you had you know, a, a stronger than expected second quarter GDP report, PCE real spending was a bit stronger than we thought. And on the front month, real PCE four tenths for June, CapEx was, I think, maybe about twice as strong as we thought. So that's uh, coming back to life. Inventories are looking lean. You had claims move down further. Housing data continues to look better. And so when you put all of that together, it just feels like, uh, you know, from the growth perspective, it's it's resilience. All these kind of fears of recession have, um, uh, you know, keep being belied, right, by the by the data. Yeah, and let me sort of break down into a couple of more specific issues. Um, one issue is this idea that um, we've got a manufacturing recovery that's going to take hold, which we've been. Um, you know, struggling with, you know, kind of getting the timing of it right. We have have been uh, losing confidence in it, but we certainly felt it might have been uh, happening before the end of the second quarter. And it's not clear uh, that anything really has taken place. But I think in the composition of the U.S. demand indicators, where you've had a pretty decent uh, pickup in goods spending as we move to mid-year, 
we've had a pretty clear sense of inventories moving lower. That that part of the story looks good. As you mentioned, the PMIs, although it wasn't a very strong message, did move a little bit higher. Um, and the tech step stuff, um, you know, looks a little better. And uh, give me a sense from your perspective of how quickly and how powerfully you think global manufacturing could turn on us here. I'm chuckling because, as you know, I, I've been trying to telescope this thing. And you're, I think you're probably more correctly a little bit patient, more patient on this. Uh, you know, I, I would think you know, the next month, two months, three months, you know, something of that magnitude. But um, the magnitude, I guess, I feel is a little bit clearer in my mind that if we're not going into a recession, the turn just from the inventory you know, correction alone is is meaningful. Let's put it this way. I mean, inventories are probably subtracting as much as three, three and a half percentage points from manufacturing growth over the first half of the year. If that just stabilizes, you're going to get three and a half percent off inventories if you want to start to actually raise the pace of stock. So that would be like going from minus one to plus two, right? Something like that. Yeah. And the yeah, pace. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so, uh, you know, but I think that is getting stabilized inventory, the pace of stock building. If you wanted to raise it, you know, that's that's how you get these high beta swings. Right. And this is what we keep telling people. If we're not going into recession, you're in a mini cycle then. And the mini cycles can have these high beta swings driven by the good sector. Now, the question, I think, is, as we mentioned a minute ago, there is this gap in terms of what Europe is doing. And, and to some degree, what China is doing as well and what the U.S. And, and what these other Asian economies are doing. So the question is, can, you know, can we get derailed by the weak links here being weak enough to throw us off course? I mean, that's obviously a risk here. Right. Yeah. And so and the, and the fact that the PMI is the one source of disappointment was in Europe is just a reminder that 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 risk is certainly still still out there. Um, you know, I, I guess I, I'm of the opinion that, you know, the we should point out that we got more China policy announcements coming out over the course of the week, the Politburo meeting coming, that that's going to probably, you know, wrap all this up. But I think the message is going to be somewhat more constructive spin from the from the government's trying to support private sector investment, uh, support the housing, and that, that will have a good sector angle to it. But I, I generally think that if China's doing a little bit better, if the broader global goods sector is doing better, which we seem to have some confidence in, uh, I think Europe will be a beneficiary of that. And so I, I'm more inclined to think that the direction of causality is going to go from the, the broad global cycle lift that we're going to see here, helping Europe rather than a weak Europe pulling the cycle down. Let me say two things to close this part. I think there's a a, a linkage issue which works through how the uh, the combination of uh, countries who are disappointing uh, uh, impact on global financial markets versus the ones that are surprising. And I think right now that balance is pretty straightforward in terms of it. It's it's more important what's happened in the U.S. and taking out recession risk. Financial markets are doing well. The second thing is just be open minded, and we'll see progress next week with the global component of the manufacturing PMIs and pay particular attention to those Asian countries, which in some ways are being pulled back by China demand and pushed up by these other forces uh, we we described. So we'll just we'll see there where we stand uh, on Monday. Um, let's turn to the inflation news, which, as you noted, was also pretty darn good this week uh, for the most part. Uh, we got the June global readings, which confirmed the kind of downshift we've been talking about. 
Um, but we also got some particularly good news from the U.S. specifically this week. Why don't we kind of and unpack that a little bit? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, as you know, we've been kind of struggling with how to read those national numbers. But let's let's were, let's focus yeah. on the U.S. where we're not going to sure. get so on the, dumped right. into so on, a, on the U.S. Um, you know, the for the quarter core PCE coming out. What was it, Bruce? Three eight, I think. Uh, well, I'm, it's 0.16 on the monthly numbers. Right. Which is pretty well, close right. to so the, the CPI. Was 3, 8, but then encouragingly, the June, uh, the June print that we got this morning was 0.16. Both of those were softer than we had expected. Oh yeah, and, definitely. Um, and showing kind of continued disinflation. I think at the same time, um, wage inflation is coming out a little bit on the, the the softer side than we expected. I think we don't want to lose sight that the levels of these things are still, at least for the ECI, well, for all of them are but still me, quite high. Let me jump in before you get to ECI, yeah. which is that the you know we had been cautioning um, over the last week or so that the services piece of the CPI outside of housing was a bit distorted and that we thought we'd have firmer um, yeah, that's right. PC numbers. And that that didn't really happen. We had a low yep. healthcare number. We had a, a low super core. If you kind of look at uh, the super core services number that Powell pays attention to, and that's running um, not as low as uh, CPI over the last three months, which is one four, but it did come down to three, three on an annualized basis, which is nearly a percentage point lower than what we thought the three month run rate was going to be coming into it. So it was good news. Yeah, I mean, to me, in, it feels so like you, you put all of this together, the, the growth and the inflation side, and it feels a little bit like we were at the start of the year in January, where, uh, you know, we were actually raising the odds of that Goldilocks scenario. In, in, a, in a sense, you know, I've always just described it as a, as a supply curve that's kind of shifting back out and giving you a little bit more resilient growth with lower inflation. And this, this feels like that's happening. I, I think the point that we were emphasizing uh, then, and, and you were taking the other side of this correctly, pointing out that levels of inflation still are high, right? And whether we get stuck here, I mean, above 3% is still too high, right? An ECI running 4, 4.5% is still too high. Uh, and if we get find ourselves at the end of the year and we're still there, that's going to be a very different picture than what Goldilocks is going to require. Yeah, I'm... I'm still comfortable, although I think anybody who wants to be confident in an inflation forecast, having learned what we've learned in the last two, three years is, is, is probably crazy. But I'm comfortable that this move, which could potentially undershoot our near-term forecast, um, is still not going to be enough to get you back to sustained levels of central banks. They're comfortable of themselves. But it's going to take a while before we play that out. And as you noted, the, uh, the wage piece is part of it. Um, the services side in terms of where we settle here after we go through noise is going to be taking a while to play out. Uh, and the, you know, I think it, it does matter what demand is uh, as it picks up in the good space, as we start to see some commodity price pressure in food and energy uh, and labor market tightness isn't going away if we're not having a recession. So we'll see, it's going to take a while, but certainly the, the soft landing hopes have been risen. They're in markets right now. And you know what? Let's just enjoy it uh, for a little while. I think we that's the to... point that we started pushing a few weeks ago, and I think that's right. Which is don't don't fight the the, the near term cyclical sweet spot that we're going to find ourselves in. And it may be observationally equivalent between 
Goldilocks and boil the frog because those things aren't going to be resolved till turn of the year into next year. I think, as I said last week, you know, that's the trade after the trade. Right now, things are, are feeling pretty good. And on that point about continued tightness in labor markets, we should point out, uh, you know, payrolls for next week. Um, you know, I think yeah. that's, we're looking for what, 175? 175, 175 yeah, with a three, five unemployment rate. Yeah. So I, I think what's, you know, to me, I think if we get that kind of outcome, the important message is that there's not a, a, a second wave of weakness that comes from the services industries, which have been the source of cooling in labor markets that we got a, a downshift there, but it's not a downshift to weakness. It's a downshift to something more normal and maybe these 150 to 200,000 on payrolls is becomes the the sort of the more norm a normal cycle in terms of still solid growth but we'll see where we are um we obviously have more to talk about so let's uh let's get to central banks and spend a few minutes there before we finish up um i mean there's there's the fed there's the ecb the boj all are interesting i'm going to just leave you we haven't got Chile yet. We're not going to talk about what we haven't gotten. We're not okay. going to talk about the Bank right. of England either. Uh, right. But let's just take from your perspective what what's most interesting. Don't You don't feel like you need to go through all of these. Just right. what to you is interesting, um, and then I'll kind of come in with my view. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess what's, what's interesting is um, – I guess I'm not surprised to see this sense of, hey, we're going to be data dependent here, right? I mean, as you're getting close to the top, I think two things happen. One is you slow the pace of hikes, which the Fed has been doing. That's not surprising to me that you would want to do that because it gives you a little more time to kind of assess the lagged effects and, you know, do we need to do a little another hike? And this week they gave us a, an extra hike. Um, so going more slowly and two, being more data dependent, right? I mean, meaning like when, you know, a year ago, the data didn't really matter so much. They were going to be hiking. They were behind the curve, right? They're not behind the curve anymore. They're, they're tight. So, you know, both of those to me are not too surprising, but they, 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 that was a pretty common theme about data dependence. I mean, the question of how patient are they going to be, I think, um, you know, that's probably something that gets resolved by the time you get to maybe late this year. I mean, I'm, I'm curious your views on this, right? Because while we want to talk about the near-term cyclical sweet spot from a central bank perspective, I think you want to start having that conversation of where we're going to be at the turn of the year. So that yeah. patience thing becomes quite important. So I guess my perspective is I'm feeling a little bit better that we're back in the world of New Testament central banks, which is to say that I think the the Fed, even though it doesn't have inflation yet under control, is feeling, as you said, that it's got a tight enough policy stance and it's got enough good news on inflation that it could probably stop here. And I think um, the way I'm reading Powell is, of course, there was a hawkish bias alongside what he said. But I, I, I read him as saying, basically, he's feeling good enough that the data is going to have to stop him from going on hold next meeting. He needs to have surprises to the upside so if we get the 175 if we get another couple of months of relatively uh, good cpi reports that they're far more likely to go on hold than to to hike and we'll, we can debate how much further that carries them uh, on the ecb side it's a little less i think strong but i feel like what's seeping into the conversation is the concerns about growth and in that context i think there's probably going to be more willingness to 
to pause, even though the inflation news while coming down isn't providing the same degree of comfort and confidence as you got in the Fed. And I guess, finally, we should at least give our Japan team a little credit for having called the, the BOJ move on YCC, um, but to also recognize that the Bank of Japan you know, played with its inflation forecast in a way to really try to reinforce the message that this YCC move is not a connected thread to a, a, a signal they're getting closer to thinking about normalization. They're, they're pretty darn dovish here. They are still saying, hey, we're not convinced. Uh, we've got inflation on a path to get sustainably at, to 2% and we're going we're gonna to be on hold for a while. So I mean, I think that's the way. Let me put one caveat on that on the on the euro area because I, I mean I think that's an interesting contrast about why the ECB will pause because of growth concerns and the Fed will pause just because it feels like it's in Goldilocks land I guess. Um, or it's got a bit fighting chance at least, right? That's that's all yeah. it needs, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or in, and it's got time, right? Maybe because it's seeing the, the we're on the right path. I think on the European point is where I, I guess I take a little bit of an issue because if you listen to the first half of our what we just talked about, I think we have a sense that Europe is actually going to get better, that the weakness in growth right now is something that uh, is, is going to fade and you get this lift. And if you get a lift, growth is going to feel better. And at the same time, I think, you know, inflation, I guess. You know, we'll see next week with the with the uh, the, the flash readings, but uh, it seems like it's coming in a bit lighter than we had expected. So it's going to feel more like the U.S. picture of Goldilocks for Europe as well. Uh, I think that certainly the, the jury is very much out on that because I, I, you're 100 percent. Well, Joe, right well, I would, right now uh, are weak. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm I have sympathy for the idea that the rest of the world can help Europe. I don't think it's going to happen powerfully enough or quickly enough to to change the dynamic much as they sit down in in September. But let's see. Um, that's a, that's something we can kind of argue about. We have a few weeks after. to argue about that one. Yeah, we got plenty of time. But anyway, I think I think we've actually surprisingly been able to go over a lot of ground in a reasonable amount of time. I was not expecting this coming into the call. So another reason for optimism as we end the week, uh, wait for the Central Bank of Chile and thanks everybody. Uh, hope uh, we can continue the conversation again next week on JP Morgan TV.